studio we mean the car parked up <laughs> behind goodwill with our we had to run in there first with our coffees and chit chat about nothing much i'm rachel jankovic this is my sister i'm becca merkel yes and we are here to talk about as i said nothing much but just the things the things that keep our minds occupied as we work through just the here and now of our everyday lives. Basically, this is what we talk about on the phone. Wow. Typically. But I'm we have been hounded and nagged to <laughs> do a podcast. So we're doing it in the car this time, face to face. Yep, we're gonna try it. We're gonna we're gonna try it. And we're even gonna try to control our subject matter a little more than we do when we just talk <laughs> on the phone. We'll also ourselves. try to not say, sorry, I gotta go and hang up abruptly. Yeah, we'll try not to, but we might. Um so today Today's topic. Becca, what would you like to share with us? <laughs> I can't remember what we said we would talk about. <laughs> oh, no, we were going to talk about what we have been What are you working, working on? on? What's on your mind? About just in the day-to-day, the sort of... When well, what, what have you been busy with this week? Well, we just came off of Christmas. Yeah, so, so that was busy times. We've all been just thinking mostly about Christmas right now. So now it's the kind of a new year, new look at a new year. What are you yeah, thinking about? My, well, working on practical stuff. I am mudding a bedroom. So that's what I'm spending my... <laughs> <laughs> my having any, any doing. deep theological <laughs> thoughts? No, or... we're not talking about that yet. We're talking yeah, about we that. In the we're next talking section. about money in your bedroom and how it brings you closer to God. It's not my bedroom what? anyway. Somebody it's else. my girl's bedroom, and it was this horrible den of iniquity before when we moved into the house, and it was like this really terrible green carpet and this really depraved wallpaper on the ceiling like when i remember most about it on the ceiling was that it seemed as though the wallpaper was what was holding the ceiling yeah, on it looked because like it that. sagged down mm-hmm. everything sloped down to, to the point. light fixture yeah, as the though the light like, fixture was like kind the of the cherry on top yeah. yeah, but like the light fixture was the drain for yeah. whatever was happening <laughs> in the ceiling. Didn't you yeah. find something under there when you did that? Wasn't yeah, it, it was totally solid. It was just not very was. flat. Anyway, so we took out some of the bad fake wood paneling in the upstairs and things and then re-sheetrocked. And I am the mutter taper person, so I have been... Becca is the opt- around. She is the ultimate in optimistic renovators. <laughs> <laughs> optimistic is is my the besetting word. Sin. It is. <laughs> I, I've long <laughs> joked with Becca that if she if she could make a pair of shoes, she would. I would. I would. And she often does believe she could make a pair of shoes. Well, She's like, I'm basically no, there. I no, basically the know what I need it's to know. It's a thing that humans can make. I am a human. I don't therefore, therefore, anyway, watch me go. We know that it's people happening. do this thing. It's a, it's someday. Well someday, I expect her to come out with a pair of home craft <laughs> shoes, and I hope that people will say to her, "Did you make those yourself?" 
No. The ultimate no. compliment in Here's a the high problem. heel. I have never tried it. Would be, it. No, hot I tip. wouldn't. You're thinking, yeah, maybe you could make something like a Tom's at home, but you don't know Becca if you think that that's what she has no. in mind. What I don't she want has a in no. Nobody wants a moccasin. What she has in mind is some kind of a high fashion heel. So <laughs> 3D printers. Probably 3 Probably 3D yeah. for three inch at least Anyway, heels. that's not the point. I don't want to make shoes. Don't listen to her. Nobody thinks I want to do that. Everybody. I've just been. <laughs> Everybody thinks that you do want to do I've that. I've just been muddying a bedroom. That's all I want is some nice crisp corners Mud. and flat walls so that we can paint and move my yeah. girls in. And so that's kind of been my battle that I've been fighting. After I get home, I'm going to go up there and I'm going to stand on a chair again and put some mud on the wall. Yeah. Good. How about you? What have you been doing? Um, Mostly. Yesterday, I I spent the day, it felt like, reflecting on how I don't get out in the winter much because someone has to stay home and match socks. Like, Mm, otherwise, it is a full-time effort. And the thing is, I would say, there are a lot of things to think about with this. It's winter, like cold here, snow, lots happening. So it's not, socks are not optional. No. So it actually does, it's a dramatic seasonal change in the laundry that there are so many socks. And plus, they plus filter the to snow, the bottom of the, the snow laundry comes hamper. in the house yeah. and you step in it in your socks. Wet socks. And then, and then they take, take them, them off. off. And then yeah. you start over. And, and I have seven kids and then plus us. So nine people. So that's 18 socks a day at a minimum. But the reality is probably more like 49 (laughs) socks a day are used. And so then they filter to the bottom of the hamper as I, as I always, the hamper by that, I mean my enormous fiber drum. That's huge. Like my husband and I both could probably get in it and hide. (laughs) And he's not small. He's six, six. So it's big. Anyways, as I, as I sift through, you know, for like, I'm going to do a load of jeans. I think as you toss, the more you toss the laundry, the more the socks get to the bottom. But here's, here's the thing. I'm going to interject that I have started separating the socks out and doing a load of only socks. And I love this technique or socks and skivvies but just like it's just all socks because then you whenever throw it all i end in, up with an all socks load all i also wash it hot with oxyclean yeah, and it makes yeah, me feel really great. happy and then you can just sit there with one pile instead of no, having it like no stuck i can't up i can't inside a sweatpant leg yeah but that's the problem with wearing sweatpants and <laughs> stay off nobody of those. should but i i had a, the i had a few loads because of christmas i had a few loads of laundry that i got through but not folded and so then that's it was the just like this mystery Just tour of lost socks. Yeah, point. so I pressed through that yesterday, and I matched a billions of socks. And as I was doing it, I was reflecting on how it used to really be a problem that my kids were taking socks off and leaving them all over the place. Like, like they come in the house and peel their socks off for no good reason, leave them, and then start fresh or with in a the new car. batch. We our kids always. Do but it I in the think car. because I'm still adjusting to the winter, <laughs> I realize that the socks have not been bountiful enough that the kids are like, if you found a pair, you hang on to those things all day. <laughs> <laughs> because there might not be another pair of smart wolves coming your way for a few days. So you hold on to them and don't take it for granted and definitely don't take them off and leave them behind the couch. Actually, maybe that's what they're doing. Maybe they do that to hide them for later. Could be. Maybe I could see this could as be. a compliment to myself. Anyway, but... so that's been your battle. The well, laundry is an ongoing battle for me, but it's not. I A while ago, I had a real change of 
I realized that I was like, I'm going to have laundry my whole life and I'm done with being dramatic about it. Like, this is just a fact of life and I'm done with the like, oh my word, I have so much laundry or oh my word, it's killing me with the laundry or how am I going to deal with this? Like, this is just life. It's not... See, I had this moment where I realized... I, for a long time, I think I wanted to just get caught up on the laundry and then be done. Like I mm. have done the laundry, I'm caught up, but it's no time before. Kind of like, I'm just going to take seven more breaths and then wrap it up for the day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or, or I, I mean, I realized it's more like eating where you're going to have to, you feed people now, but you're going to have to do it again in a couple hours because they're going to get hungry again. And I think I just kept wanting the laundry to be one of those tasks that you could just rest mm. on your laurels for a while well, after some, you got there it. There are some moments with the laundry, like if you were to wash the shower curtain, you could then rest on your laurels you for a minute, you but could. someone would blob a toothpaste on it the day of. Which, I have to wash my shower curtain. Yeah, it's, it's bad when you find out when you actually look when you actually look and you're like oh no (laughs) what happened (laughs) something dark happened here yes yes that's what i've been working on socks mudding the walls you can see we live glamorous lives we do we punctuate it with trips to goodwill really quick glamour time time. um yeah so what is the next thing we're going to talk about um we more, did talk about it. More sort of, theological. You said you made fun of me for saying that you were having theological reflections about mudding. Well, I might when I'm in there mudding, but I can't think of what. They Not were. off the top of your Not head. Not off the top of my head. I haven't come out with any great spiritual <laughs> lessons. <laughs> Hasn't really been a spiritual discipline, except for that I have realized that I kind of dread mudding because it's just like uh it's heavy work and i don't like it makes a mess and you know you have to sand it and then the dust gets everywhere and the ceilings are the worst because it hurts your neck so much but i actually adore it when i get in there and i start doing it it's just really fun to make it smooth you know to like take a yeah bad looking well i'm not disparaging the sheetrock job, but you know, it's got, it's got, it's <laughs> the also homemade sheetrock job. <laughs> it's got its glitches here and there, but to take something that like looks pretty dark and then turn it into like a really yeah, flat wall, satisfying. it's very satisfying. It really is. And that is something you can rest on your laurels because once you've mudded the wall, you don't have to do it again tomorrow. Yeah. I have a, uh... well, I do. Cause I'm only on the first coat, but you know what I mean? Yeah, my I have a room. We live in a very 60s house. It's just super practical. We bought it because we were in a phase of life when practical sounded like mm. the ultimate ideal. That's because you're more mature than us. Yeah. Oh, good. What is it? I'm getting a phone call. Um, <laughs> the studio line is ringing. <laughs> anyway. Hey, Mom. Anyway, so you have a very practical 60s house because oh, right. That's you're right. much more mature about it. We have an 1890 no, it's, uber unpractical We house. were in a phase where what sounded best was survivable. We are busy life. So anyways, we have the 60s house and the people before us built a wine cellar in the basement. So there's a number of ambiguously intended rooms in this house and there's one that is the playroom and then right off of that is this wine cellar and it is i don't know how it's probably maybe 10 by 10 do you think now smaller than that eight know. by eight i don't know I'm a bit it's a little wine a cellar and it has a 
um, those big diagonal shelves up top. So we like wine fine, but not to that level, not to the laying up a whole storehouse of wine. But what we do have a whole storehouse of is fabric and yarn goods. So I had, we called the yarn seller at my house and I have four daughters who also knit and crochet and do random things. And so last night I waded into there and I cleaned it out and all of the snaggle projects that mm. were despaired of by someone. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know who with four girls doing it. Lots can happen down there. So I finally got that all in order and my plan is now I got my knitting basket all cleaned out things in order to work through. Like this is what I'm going to finish first and then second and then what I'm working on. I don't know why I brought that up though. Hmm. Me neither. Things I was Anyways, working on. Things you were things working, we're on. working on. But how about things you're sort of reflecting on well the the, i think that that's why i thought of the yarn thing is that knitting is something that i love to do that is like a way that i enjoy a little bit of peace like it's something that's really it you can finish something and be done with it and it's different it's just a different kind of work and it's an ongoing work but then you finish it but the thing is funny for me is that it was like a coping mechanism when my kids were littler and now it's funny it's harder and harder for me to do it but it's because it's multiplying because all of my daughters now when if I sit down to knit everyone goes to get their knitting and then they need me to cast on or explain a a, (laughs) explain a pattern or untangle a mess they made or or fix something and it's funny how it is is something that I'm giving a I'm losing some of my time to just sit and do it for me but at the same time in a few more years that will be a very different kind of a harvest where you have all of these friends doing it with you but right now it's like in a i think that that happens with lots of things the phase of cooking for your family where nobody's really enjoying it (laughs) where (laughs) you have to force them to eat it right and even for your husband it's not relaxing to sit down at a table with a bunch of kids who are not, you know, you have to work through that period of like, no, this is what we do. This is how we share table fellowship. Yeah. This is, you know, laying the groundwork to have a fun time with those people later. Yeah. Yeah. You're a little later on with yeah, those Yeah, we're in a bigger, we've got bigger kids. So I have five kids. They're basically all teens. My youngest is 12, but... um basically all in the teen years. So yeah, we don't have to force anybody to eat anything. We're in a really fun phase where they all come in and help cook in the kitchen. And we've got some adventurous eaters out there and yeah, you know, they enjoy it when I, yeah, you totally do. But I mean, they enjoy it when I try new stuff and you know, it's great. They're they're youngest youngest son and my oldest daughter had the same due date. So I handed the baton. Yeah, so she's got the, her youngest is 12 and my oldest is 12 and my youngest is one. Yeah, so you're in a very different phase still. I've got five big kids and five big busy kids, but it's, it's a totally, it keeps getting funner. It really does. Yeah, it is. But no, we were talking earlier though about lurching, changing the subject. We were talking about. It's what we do um, best. (laughs) About policing your own attitudes. Oh, when we were actually on the phone. When we were actually on the phone yeah. earlier today while I was cleaning out my bedroom and starting to sort laundry. Socks all into one pile. Uh, don't brag. Anyways. No, I haven't gotten there yet. I was just 
going to. <laughs> it, uh, good intentions. When I get home, good. I'm going to put in my socks and then I'm going to go mud. Anyway. Mm. Anyways, we were talking about the things that we tolerate in our own little fussy attitudes. When we get discontent or we start getting chippy about the house or everything's so messy or I can't believe whatever, all those kinds of little gungy attitudes, mm -hmm. learning to <laughs> throw a penalty flag on yourself oh, before yes. it comes out your well, mouth. I'm going to say, I am going to interject something about this, which is that we have a big, um, if you're actually hearing this, you probably know our family, but we have a big family. We have Becca and I have one brother who also has five kids. We all live in the same town. So there's 17 our cousins. Our parents live here. Uh, we eat a Sabbath dinner together. And every... all of us have the other side of the families in town too. Not so, all of them, but some members but at least, of it. Yeah. yeah. So we have, um, Lots of family. We get together for a Sabbath dinner every Saturday night. And actually, it's typically at my mom's house. Um, and we eat a big, you know, uh, Lord's Day kickoff meal together, basically. Um, something that I think Christians commonly, we have just been put in a really blessed place that our parents laid a lot of foundations for us that we are not uh, really responsible for, but the older yeah, I get, the get more build on it. the older I get, the more thankful I am for those foundations. Oh, the more I start so to true. notice them, um, you know, things that you just always assumed, and then you're like, oh wow, this is not an assumption. This is not something that is really common. Um, one of those things is that we get together as a big group, and we are all in fellowship. Yeah, and that we have all been in fellowship for years. It's not, you know, that the kids have grown up being in fellowship, but this is tying it back to the penalty flag thing is that I think that the primary reason that we have such a big group of people who get along and are in fellowship is having a very high standard for self-policing yeah. your attitudes. Well, because and the reason you fall out of fellowship with another person is because you fell out of fellowship with God first, and that happens in your own little heart. Yeah, exactly. And so it's like as you start planting little seeds of bitterness about someone or envy or I just can't believe she's that selfish or why isn't why aren't people more enthusiastic about this item I brought to feed them this time or how any of those things, it's not really a dispute with the other person. It's a dispute between yourself and, you know, it's, just, it's yeah. Anyways, one of the biggest things I think that I am so thankful for is that we have, uh, that, 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 that work of policing your own attitude actually yields incredible fruit in your relationships with other people. Oh, so true. And it's something that we work on with our kids too, because from the time they were little, you don't tolerate somebody just getting into a little black rain cloud and staying there. Like as soon as somebody <laughs> is in that, you know, with your kids when they're small, that's what it, it's drop everything and exactly. fix that first. And that means that mom has to drop everything and help that kid get out of whatever little slew of despond they're in. And what you're doing is you're teaching them how to do it themselves. It's like the training wheels and later those training wheels will come off right. and but they need to learn how to, to not tolerate the little attitudes, little petty 
discontents and resentments and comparisons and well this is something that i think growing up our dad always would say um he said so many times the difference between a clean house and a dirty house is not how many things are dropped it's how many things are picked up it's like how often is it cleaned how often is whatever and um, the reality is that some things, when they get dropped on the floor in a heavy traffic area, are just, it is like you do, like Becca was saying, you stop everything to pick it up. Because right. I think, I especially think a mom's bad attitude is, oh, is like dropping a glass jar full of honey in the entryway of a high traffic <laughs> home. It is like, yep. everyone, please track this everywhere right. get your feet cut with the glass right. then have you know then that way you can immediately have six children weeping yeah. in different areas of the house having tracked honey everywhere oh yeah cuz a mom's attitude goes and i would so say a dad's too but i talk to moms yeah, it's exactly. not it's i'm yeah. not i'm not saying that cuz right. the dad's irrelevant but the mom at home with the kids your attitude is just uh oh it's huge amazing it's really huge. and this is something and I've, the thing is the kids will imitate you and when moms have a different standard for the kids than they have for themselves we know which one will stick and that is moms. The, the kids it's, it's will the lowest common that. denominator situation because yeah. it does all it will do is fuel additional um like how often have you had a discontent attitude some kind of like I can't believe I have to do this again. I can't believe this is this, you know, whatever, some level of discontent. And then you ask a kid, like, go put this in the laundry. And they're like, ah, oh, I again? just went to the laundry room. <laughs> and you're like, you cannot have that kind of a bad attitude. Like, let me rebuke you. But it's just a terrible, like, fruitless thing. Unless you are, unless you're monitoring your own attitude to the level that you say, oh, you're right. I'm having a bad attitude. Lord, forgive me for this attitude. Like, let's move on now. Yeah. Um, and then apologize to anybody who heard you or witnessed you doing it. And yeah, but I was going to say, tying this into, I it's not an, it's not a weirdly irrelevant, um, overly pietistic thing to say you should be policing your own attitude no. like it's where the whole game is because it is where the whole game is like i feel like the reason i brought that mm -hmm. up with the broader family is that all the time we're all being annoying <laughs> like we're not we're not in fellowship because no one is being human or no one is being annoying or no one is ever being selfish or no one is ever i think the reason that we're in fellowship is because everyone is committed to dealing with that in their own in the, on their own end. Yeah. Right. So oh, yeah. it's never like someone could actually be in a selfish mood and come to a Sabbath dinner feeling grumpy. I don't know because I don't, I, I can't don't think, think of that happening. Happened. I'm trying to think about a kid. No, I just think, of course it's happened that someone has been there sometimes yeah. struggling with something. Um, but not that we've ever all been like noticing, no, I know. looking at each other, meaning like, about <laughs> Sometimes no, there might be really a little just... bit. Sometimes there might be a little bit of like stress, or uh, I would say fragility, when someone is kind of, for whatever reason, maybe kind of feeling a little 
I don't know. I know. We used to joke about it being that it was like we all belly flop in the we Sabbath. Do. We like we sprint the whole week and then come screaming into Sabbath at <laughs> six o'clock and crash. Like we're like, we made it. We made it to the Lord's day. We like belly flop into mom's house. Yeah. It's great. But, but the, I guess what I was trying to say is that I think the reason it's not that people aren't being annoying or, uh, aren't being human is just yeah. that people actually can live in fellowship with each but other the in is, spite the, of the normal love covering a multitude of sins. The only reason, I mean, the only way that can happen is if you are in fellowship yourself, like if your heart is good and you haven't been tolerating sin in yourself, then you can actually tolerate in others. It's when you tolerate in it in yourself, then suddenly but, you can't tolerate well, it in actually, anyone else. It turns so, you into a Pharisee. So true. So true. <laughs> that you're like, how dare you all not yeah. be thinking of me first? <laughs> how dare you? And it, but yeah, it's, it's like, always good when you're going around applying the well, golden rule and the to world, everyone else. The world is <laughs> always good. I was just going to say the world is so full <laughs> of all this advice and counsel on how to love and accept yourself with all of your failings. <laughs> we and don't actually struggle with that. Oh, look how cute those quail are. I know. I was just watching them. They're really cute. Oh, very cute. In the snow. In the snow. They, I don't think, I think it's amazing how quail make snow look cozy. I know they do. They just, they get under the bushes and you think like, ooh, that'd be a great snuggly spot. All right. Anyway. Anyways, the, um, the, the world is so full of all this talk about how to accept yourself and love yourself and do all of this. And it's like, well, the reality is that you don't, you don't actually need to do that. Like, well, and the scripture directly contradicts that when it says no man ever hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it. <laughs> and it's like everyone's actually... super precious about themselves. Yeah, and But I think it's the, it's the fact that, um, the fact that people are so concerned about that, like they have to be accepted that you're like overlooking the fact that, that Christ loves you and that your job is loving others is right. passing the love that Christ gave to you onto the people around you instead right. of being like right. judgy McJudgy pants about How everybody else. Doing it to you? Yeah, yeah. Well, really trying to honor yeah. yourself for your weakness. Yeah. Like you see these things about, I am authentic because of my, because of my bad attitude. I am special and authentic, but <laughs> their bad attitude is just unseemly. Yeah, yeah, just exactly. unseemly. Yeah. It, well, life. and lots of times it's good to like step out of the frame for a second and just look at yourself and say, okay, if I was to take that attitude, that set of grievances and put it in someone else, how would I feel about them? Oh, we'd be so quick for the solution. Yeah. Well, but like, even well, like you just need to repent. Well, just a parallel example. Like how would you feel if your husband was being as fussy as you are being right now? You know, like <laughs> it actually, <laughs> we don't love it when we see it in others and no. it's good to recognize that. Sometimes. Not our fave, not our yeah. fave. And I think women especially stumble into the critical being just the critical spirit, but are not great receivers of the critical spirit. No, that's true. Someone was like, I just don't really like the way you look right now. (laughs) (laughs) Be like, how dare he? How dare he say this? But yeah, women. Anyway, so how about, uh, what's your favorite author 
or book. Oh man, favorite book. author. That's something rough. that people should immediately let's not read. Say, let's not say favorite because then I have no, to. Then many. that's too hard. Let's something that everyone should have read and appreciated. Peace Like a River by Leif Anger is spectacular. Like if you have not read it, you should read it. I it, haven't. Read it, it is really. Mm-mm. Get on that. It's at my house, but I, it's it actually appeal to me. Like I look at it and I think, do I want to read it? Yeah, Not really. You know what shocked me about it is that I think I was like three pages into it, and I was like, how can I care about these characters as much? Like it was so well done that you are barely know them and you care. Like, is it poignant though? See, I don't love feeling like I'm being emotionally you, manipulated. Not manipulated. But it is, it is beautiful. It is really wonderful. And it is everybody that I've gotten to read it so far has been that, has been like, oh my word. No, I've heard nothing oh but my good word. things about it. I think yeah. I'm just not I think ready. You should to, try am I going to cry? I never feel like what I'd love to do is sit down and have a good cry at something. Mm, I don't want to. I think I probably got choked up, but it is not like something that it's worth, it's worth it. Okay. You should read it. I'll have to um, think about that. Yeah. On so the that's other a hand, good one. I'm always down for a good Woodhouse. You, well, you have. She has been down for a good Woodhouse since probably I was eight and you were twelve, right? Because <laughs> Nate and I used to be like, probably. "Let's play outside," and she's like, "It's just gonna finish this chapter," and we'd be like, "How many pages is left?" And be like, two pages, okay." And then everyone, we'd get distracted. <laughs> we'd come back in to be like, are you done with that chapter yet? And she's like, oh, no, just a few more pages. And we would, like, look again and we'd be like, how does she have more pages? But she kept starting the next chapter and always having well, just a few pages left. I think this sounds like bitterness. It is, actually. I think we might need to go back to this forgive much. <laughs> I'm not forgiving this yet. No, but the thing is, the Woodhouse, the reason I like Woodhouse is because I like reading an author that I can appreciate the writing itself like the writing mm-hmm. itself is so funny with him and it's funny. just surprising like, that's the thing though that that's what i meant about peace like a river is that it's there's the story which is great but there's the writing which is amazingly powerful because i can't you don't know how he got you to feel that way yeah that's true i just like and and that's different though what that's else is like, like snorting out loud yeah. and filing things away doesn't do like deep character development it's it's all about the metaphors and the hilarious turns Turn of, of phrases, phrases yeah. and the vocab okay so favorite off the top of your head favorite <laughs> favorite woodhouse metaphors favorite woodhouse i still i always remember Metaphor. the one that was her face shown like the seat of a bus driver's trousers <laughs> It oh, is good. So good. It is just and good. The, and, uh, or like he was quaking like a jelly in the high wind. <laughs> <laughs> you see, that's just, it's just glorious. It's such a good Come line. on, you got, I'm sure you've oh, got one in there. Doesn't he have a line about her laugh was like, sounded like a troop of cavalry riding over a tin <laughs> bridge. <laughs> so good. I know. Um, and, and it's just my favorite one. I can't help but just leave it to Smith. P. Smith. Yeah. Like P-S-M-I-T-H. Yeah, it's a great one. The P is silent. Woodhouse is a, is like an embedded, it's like a, a, uh, Bit, you know, like a, a note in a chord of our life that Woodhouse, our dad loved Woodhouse, mm-hmm. our grandparents mm-hmm. loved Woodhouse, we grew up on Woodhouse, now our children, I still remember my oldest daughter read her first one not very long ago, and she was just like cracking up over mm-hmm. and over. It's just, it's just brilliant. Really it good. So it's leave it to writing. Smith as your recommend. 
peace like yeah, a river peace is mine. Like a river is yours. And then, of course, my recommend is that you join us for our in the car <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I actually, this is a good view. We're looking out over the town. It's like a gorgeous we sunny see day. In the, the state snow. of the roof of Goodwill right here because it's a very hilly area. So we're looking out over the top. Check it out. I'm starting the car Beautiful. because it's getting cold. All right, we're done with our coffees. Yes. Thanks for coming. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.